Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Ramble. We're on episode 10. We've managed to get to double digits under the new name and we've got really ourselves to thank for it because we don't really see viewership a lot. So we're just going to keep going for our own benefit at this point. Uh, but if you want to make it make our lives a bit easier to make sure that we do have listeners uh, and you're listening to this show on Spotify, Spotify most likely, uh, hit the follow at the top of the feed to make sure you never miss another episode of the show. Uh, follow us over on Twitter at Fantasy Ramble where we'll be uploading predictions for the following fixtures from not only us on the show today but our other hosts waiting in the wings. Uh, if you want to join our league with four games left, times running out for this Premier League season, we are still getting the league going with the code X1LJNL. And if you do want to read our Premier League takeaways article which goes up every uh, set of fixtures on Energy Sport where our football writers come up with some opinions on um, the fixtures that have just been you can do so all of us bar one bar strewn this week uh, managed to get an opinion on board for that so go ahead and give that a read uh, join me today two men that have avoided studio time for uh, the last couple of weeks we've got both Graham Sinclair and Taylor Murray uh, how are we both Taylor you've had a kind of good couple of weeks in fantasy haven't you lad oh, I've been loving it it's ever since the V-start I've, I've, I've kicked on and I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I've actually caught up with Rafa now. I'm only nine points behind. So I did say my aim for the end of the season was to overtake Rafa because I know where my catch and Jamie. But, you know, if Jamie has a couple of horrendous weeks and I have the weeks I've had recently, then that's an outside chance. Outside chance. That's, that's what you like. You like being the underdog, don't you? Oh, I do. Yes. It's, that means nobody pays attention to you, really, until you know you're right there. <laughs> until you know you're right there. Graham, how are you doing, mate? Good afternoon, Jack, mate. I'm kind of on autopilot at this point, you know, just feet up, top of the league, no one's catching me. Although, I have to say, it is a really nice boost for the Eagle when you put out the predictions on the Twitter. And I get to see league leader Graham Sinclair every week. <laughs> so so what you're saying is, so by saying that, you've just assured that I'm never doing that again. Just just, no. so, just so the Eagle doesn't go through the roof. Shut yourself in the fuck with that. It makes, me feel, it makes me feel good, though. Well, if, that's what Leaves all about right now. Picking each other up. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know what? If 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 it does bring you happiness, Graham, then I'll oblige you on this occasion. You call me league leader, and I call you boss. <laughs> there we go. That that's the understanding you and I have with one another, and it's a mm-hmm. good one at that. Uh Graham, you've you've got a wee. You could uh, put in a wee plug here for not only a takeaways article, but something else you did over the Aye. last couple of days. So we had the usual takeaways, and I'm in that always. But I did. Uh, preview for the UFC, which not related to the Premier League, obviously, no. but I put in 1,600 words of effort into that thing. I quite like it. If you like the UFC, please go read it. <laughs> there you go. And then watch the UFC tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. I think for, for me and your, for me and your uh, preview, it actually does seem like it's going to be a good card, provided that it kind of goes ahead as planned. But... Well, the weigh-in the way is right now, so I'm kind of keeping up with that. Mm. So if you ask me questions and I don't respond, that's why. That's quite all right. We've, we've obliged you once already because we de- we delayed recording kinda so we could get the takeaways out and so you could have your chicken nuggets. Yep. So so we're, we're just doing it all for you, Graham. This, this is what legally don't mean. Just, you just get some of these benefits of be, being the, top of the pile. The perks of being the best, my brother. That, that's what it is. Um, but maybe the best in that, but you're currently third best in another wee league that we've got going on personally off off Twitter really we've been running our own predictions league for after the restart began where we've been giving 
each one of us that puts our predictions up on Twitter. Two points for the correct outcome and an extra point for the correct score. But Raf Boyd is currently winning that as he he's, he had like two very, very strong weeks at the start and despite missing two games this game week because he ghosted, he's, he's still sitting top. Great, Graham's third in that. Taylor is fourth. We're, we're, all, we're all above relegation. We're no surprise that Struan's just bottled that completely. By having no, no faith in United as pair. Yeah, did he not go a couple of gate? Did he not like go a wee while without even get a single hang right? Like he was getting like not even the results in the match right. Let me have a look. I've got I've got everything down on the uh, on well, the note. I believe I'm, I'm five. I believe I'm five points behind Raf, and I also missed a game at Norwich Brighton, which you can say in hindsight. But I think if I was to make a prediction that game, which I wasn't allowed to, I would have said one 0 Brighton. That's three points. That's me right behind Raf Boyd, and he's. <laughs> And he is slipping. He's, he's slipping. Ah, I'm. I'm just going to start hitting it with the, the Macintoshes one each and the <laughs> standard two ones. Just Macintosh. literally, just that's. I feel like that's the best way to go. Just every game two one and just hope for the best. You must be dreading the prospect of me winning both the fantasy and the predictions. I don't want us to have given you a fiver and then have to have bought you a pint as well. Like that's yeah, I'm not just not going to be fair. Yeah, I'm not having. Well, it. I would. I would buy you guys pints with no competition on the line. <laughs> Wait, there you go. That that's why he deserves them. This is an ego boost. That's all we're giving him. <laughs> wait, wait, he needs it every now and then. He's, that that's that's why Graham doesn't do shows like every week. Like he'll, he'll leave it three when his ego gets depleted a bit and then comes on to make himself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at that. Struan in the first week of predictions got four points from twelve games. <laughs> he he correctly predicted. Two outcomes out of twelve games in that first game week back. That is why he's last. Although he's only one point behind Macintosh, so time will tell what will happen there. Well, his team have won every game by three goals out of the last four, and he's predicted him to win one game out of those four. So you get what you deserve. Yeah, he's not really optimistic. Though. Like he's you, what, I mean, you speak about United with Struan. Man. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like he, he's got. Uh, he's got. He's got no United players in his fantasy team either. And then he says, oh, and every time you mention the top four races, he's like, oh, I think they're better. I think the Wolves are better than us. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> it's like, I, I speak to him the other day and I was like, ah, right, you've won the last two, uh, last three by like three goals. What do you think it'll be? He's like, ah, I think it'll be one now United. I'm like, how? What did he say? Like, I, I just feel we bought what? I thought he predicted a one all, you know. Oh, did he even, yeah, he didn't even, he didn't, he didn't even trust he did, a win? Oh. He, didn't, he didn't predict to beat Aston Villa, who could not score. <laughs> no, nah, I, I won't finish what I was going to no, say. No, I know exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, yeah, with with that, we should probably start talking about actual football here. Um, we, as, as we've been doing it the last couple of weeks, we've got your three big games for you, and then three just week extra games, including our Brexit game of the week, which sneaks its way in every single week without fail. First game that we're going to cover today, it's on Sunday, rather than the rather than going by, I suppose, uh, in chronological order for the, how the games are going to fall, we're doing it just as how we see them, because we just stop caring at this point. Uh, first up, we have got the North London Derby. Uh, if I need to tell you who, which two teams are involved, I don't really know what you're up to. Uh, in their last two games, in the last games for both clubs, rather, uh, Spurs didn't register a single shot as they drew in 0-0 with Bournemouth. Well, Arsenal also drew. Um, went down to 10 men in rather controversial fashion, but still managed to hold on to a draw against 
are top four chasing Leicester. Ah, uh, did did anyone watch Spurs Bournemouth or was it just me? I tried, but it was too hard. It was painful. I was fine while I was working. I'm so glad because I came in and I looked at that and I was like, "That's just that's woeful." It's the most Mourinho game ever. It's one of those games that starts at six o'clock. I'm like, "Yes, football," and then you get ten minutes in and you're falling asleep. Genuinely, I I I remember because I was I just finished up my dinner and I was excited because I could come up. Had both my screens on because one was on Prime and one was on uh, Sky, and I was thinking, "Right, this is going to be a good way to spend the next couple of hours." But I just never looked at my laptop screen. I was just looking at my TV for where Prime was, just watching Everton Southampton because there was so much more happening. But Graham, considering you watched the game, what the hell were up with Spurs that night? I mean, they had just about their entire starting eleven fit. Like they they were in, like they've they on paper they've got such a better team than Bournemouth, and Bournemouth have just looked meagre and depressed almost for like the entirety of the running. So. What what happened the other night that just led to this result being produced? Well, if I can quote uh, what Roy Keane said in Sky yesterday, is, oh we should not be surprised about Tottenham dropping points. It's in their DNA to constantly disappoint. And that kind of sums up the Tottenham experience. They have some great individual players. They, have, they used to have a good team under Pochettino, but it just seems like it's fallen apart. They are miserable to watch play football, and they have been since Jose Mourinho came in. It's just... Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal on Monday against Everton, too. Mm-hmm. They just could not... There like, doesn't seem to be like any teamwork between the two, emphasised by the fact that Lloris tried to beat the crap out of his son at half-time. <laughs> it's just there's no flow to the team. There's no... There wasn't even, like you said, there was no shots in target yesterday. There was no decent pass and move at any point. No. It's not as if, like, sometimes you get teams that like, oh, they can't break down teams that sit back. Bournemouth didn't sit back. Bournemouth probably had more of the play in Tottenham's half. It was just, it was awful. It was embarrassing. Well, I mean, they, they, they could they could have, they probably should have had a penalty. But, I mean, that's down to VR at that point. Bournemouth had a goal ruled out for offside, if I'm correct, or no, handball against hand, uh, handball Josh King. Josh King, yeah, handball yeah, just so, I mean, that in itself, and that being by the slightest of margins, kind of does suggest that Bournemouth were the better team on the night anyway. Um, frankly, both of, talking about either of these two teams currently depresses me, but Arsenal depress me a little bit less at the moment because they've got a certain man with hips like shortbread and a bag from Tesco that uh, just make, make watching Arsenal a bit more enjoyable. Of course, I'm mean, referencing Kieran Tierney. <laughs> wrong, wrong company to ask about Kieran Tierney here, Jack. <laughs> I, I, know I know it's the wrong company, but I, I'm talking... He, he's, he's, left the, he's left the green-white half of uh, Glasgow and moved into the red side of London, but he's still wearing the blue, the blue of Scotland internationally, so we can all unite under that one flag there. So, I mean, I, I've been... I'm vastly impressed by how Tierney's kicked on since he's come back. I mean, man of the match performance on uh, whichever night it was against Leicester Tuesday night and just has not looked out of place since coming back in. Taylor, have you thought the same? Have you been uh, quite happy with how Tierney's kicked on since he's come back, especially after battling through that injury? Oh, 100%. It's, it's impressed me. I'll give him that. I didn't think he'd be able to do a step up. Like I thought playing with Celtic, he, he suited it well. He played you basically best player week in, week out, you know, always consistent. But I thought and maybe a bit two step up, he'll just be one of the ones that would fade away down south. But clearly he's enjoying playing under Arteta. You know, he's getting more of a, a role of playing on the left wing now rather than left back. So 
Um, he's getting more attacking for uh, basically more attacking, getting balls out of the box, and I have actually been really impressed. It looks like just the tip of Scotland having two our best players probably in a long time being in the same position. Yeah, it's a lot. So it's just the most Scotland thing ever. But you know, if we can incorporate it, then definitely. But Kieran Tierney is absolutely improved Arsenal. He's uh, better in class and such, and definitely, probably, I don't see anyone displacing him anytime soon. I mean, the argument could be made for, depending on how the rest of the team looked, would be for Bukayo Saka, of course, to take his position because that's where he'd been deployed during Tierney's injury. But the benefit of having a player like Saka is that he can play in a multitude of different positions, which can allow for talented players like Tierney to be able to nail down a starting spot. Um, yeah, 100%. So, oh, sorry, I didn't mean I was just going to say, Saka is basically that player where every team does need him. Like, but I think his best position was the other night out on the right uh, when they were playing because he just he was always a danger man and the fact is he just he was causing so much uh, problems uh, for oh, who was it they were playing again? I'm pretty sure Leicester. it was Leicester. That's it. Uh, they were causing uh, problems for like Sorenshire because he tried even mark him yeah. and like Sorenshire was that focused on Saka. That's how Abamian started like getting more chances in front of goal. So definitely, I'd say that Saka's position now probably more likely to be in like one of the front three, hopefully, than left-back. I, I would agree, especially with how inconsistent Nico Pepe has been since he's come in for that massive price tag. Uh, before I move on and talk about the predictions from you boys for this game and who we want to include in our team, I'd seen a quote from Deli Alley that seemed to suggest that um, the Tottenham players take their, rival, their rivalry in London anyway with Chelsea more seriously than they do their rivalry with Arsenal. What 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 do you two make of that? Because we've seen some feisty affairs between all three clubs over the years. I mean, the two-all game between Chelsea and Spurs at Stamford Bridge that won less than the title springs to mind where Spurs effectively just tried to kick Chelsea off the park. But do, do you, would you have a comment to make on this statement from well, Deli Alli? Well, wasn't Deli Alli the boy that got stretched off and held up or he, he held up like a 2-0 sign in the league cup where they chucked coins at him. He made Wasn't that Deli Alley that happened? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel to, feel to see how that he takes that game more seriously against Chelsea and Chelsea just beat the crap out of them every time they play them pretty much. Yeah, like. no, I, would, I would agree with that. I think the turning point for... Uh, well, I think... Uh, the turning point for them probably concentrating Chelsea more than Arsenal, well, as Dele Alli says anyway, is probably, as you said, Jack, that title decider for Leicester. Because I feel like, uh, sorry, somebody's just, you know, cutting the grass out of the back and I can actually <laughs> see my volume just rocketing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I can clearly say that's hurt their ego a little bit. And obviously they feel devastated it was probably uh, another London club that's, you know, gave a, their only chance to probably a title I could see ever now. Uh, away, but uh, they definitely do take Arsenal serious. I think that's just media talk and basically just try to dismiss them straight away. And probably just in case anything bad does happen, because you know, Mourinho and Spurs are not going to get anything under you know Arteta's rejuvenized Arsenal. No, I, th- I think, I think, oh, sorry, 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 I was gonna say, I'm, I'm just gonna make myself to this one more. Does it actually interrupt you? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think. There's, there's some truth in that, especially with the media talk. It's interesting to see that these quotes have come out in the days before the North London derby. I mean, it's a fair, fair tactic from them, if it is true. I kind of see it as the sense that he might have said that 
due to the last couple of seasons where positions have kind of shifted between the two North London clubs. I mean, Tottenham, Champions League finalists last season and have kind of been there or thereabouts for the last couple of seasons at least. Uh, kind of battling shoulder to shoulder with Chelsea in some aspects, whereas Arsenal, they've been out of the Champions League for three, four, almost five years now. So it could have, it may be a shift in the guard, but I still would say that the tr- when you think of a London rivalry anyway, you think of uh, Spurs and Arsenal for being the fiercest of rivals. But we'll move on to a prediction for this game. I think it's... this this For me, despite the fact uh, Arsenal the away side, I don't really think away um, home team advantage matters without fans in the stadium, personally. Um, I think Arsenal are coming at this one better. They're coming at this one kind of chasing something almost because there is still an outside chance that they could get anything in terms of Euro, uh, European competition, whereas Spurs seem to kind of be down and out and accepting their, fact, their fate, especially after that draw with Bournemouth. So I'm going to go a narrow Arsenal win, be it a 1-0 or a 2-1 of yet to decide. And I think, again, Bukayo Saka against a plagued and ageing Tottenham backline is going to run riot. Uh, Graham, how would you see this one ending up? Uh, I th- think I agree with you in the sense that I think Arsenal are clearly the better team. They've actually been in quite a good run. Four wins in the last five, and then Tuesday they were on course to win, I think, until the sending off. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Spurs look abysmal. So I think I will probably go for a similar score to you. I haven't decided 1-0, 2-1, maybe even 2-0 Arsenal, but I will be predicting an Arsenal win. And Taylor, if you, if you want to rejoin us after you've done your gardening there, uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you see this one? Do you, would you would you back Spurs, who you feel a bit more rivalry with, with your West Ham connections? Uh, I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm going to say it because I know you'll be angry. I'm going to go one each. I was really thinking about it. See this? Mm, sorry. I'm actually, it's actually frustrating me now because I no, can no, see my fine, vote. Is it not that bad, right? No, it's generally not that you know, bad. It's so, very entertaining what, listening to the you get annoyed by a lawnmower. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's actually frustrating, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, I can see Arsenal, you know, probably being the more dominant side, but Spurs has been, you know, Arsenal being Arsenal with David Luiz at the back, probably will concede, and I can see Spurs, you know, getting a lucky break, considering as much as Mourinho is going to ruin Kane's career and England's career, he, was, he is still a decent finisher. So just give Kane, you know, that one chance he'll score, so I'm going to go with one each. Yeah, that's the Macintosh's one each prediction for this week. I think. <laughs> the famed Macintosh one each. Yeah, that's goes. what I'm calling it. It's just got, in fact, I see that it was my only one. I, I think there's going to be a few more, in fact. Well, with games that, games that we're going to be talking about, there could be a couple of uh, Macintosh scores in there. Um, players to bring in for this game, I, I've already said Kimisaka's a very good show. He's been uh, the third most uh, assists in the league at the moment. Or, wait, what was it? Sorry, there was a stat about kind of young players and assists and stuff, something like that. Um, oh. assists, most assists in all competitions. There we go. So I think he's third behind Trent De Bruyne. Trent De Bruyne at um, 18 years old, which is really, really something to be said. Did they not start playing more just in like, the turn of the year? Is that not when he started getting more like, basically uh, minutes? He's playing Europa League, which is a stat pattern competition. Yeah. Oh, which, Get into another stat that I think is false that's been floating around recently. Well, he's, he's also he's got six in the league, so half, half his assessment in the competition have come in the league, and in your debut year, it's very good. 
and at 4.7 million, he'd be better than a lot of midfielders he could bring in. So, to be honest, he'd be the only player I'd include, in all honesty. Potentially Tierney, depending on how Arsenal play and maybe keep a clean sheet, I'm not I, sure. I don't know if it translates to fantasy, but I thought Danny Ceballos looked incredible on Tuesday. He looked so quick mm-hmm. and running with the ball, and he's always been a good passer. I don't know if it, like I said, I don't know if it translates to fantasy, but he's a good player, so maybe he's worth it. Yeah, I would probably agree with you, Jack. I'd uh, definitely sack in because you know he's just on red hot form and that. Uh, if you don't have a Bami, if you have the money, probably a Bamiang because you know he will lead the line because Arteta does you know chop and change and Kea and Lacazette. Even though Kea is now suspended, I don't know exactly what he will do if he'll even still try to play Lacazette in that. But hundred percent Saka and. Probably leave defenders out. I would say. There we go. There we go. So all in agreement that there's no point putting any any real Spurs players in there because of how terrible they've been. Lovely. Uh, we'll move on to the second game where Taylor battles his hay fever. Um, <laughs> we, we're going to talk about um, two teams. One of them is trying to solidify their place in the top four. One of them is still clinging on to a European dream in the first season in the league. Uh, we've got Sheffield United, take, Sheffield United sorry, taking on Chelsea at Bramall Lane. Last time out, Sheffield United uh, could thank their hero, John Egan, for rescuing them a win against Wolves in a 1-0 late on. While Chelsea could thank Kurt Zuma for protecting their win in a 3-2 victory over Crystal Palace in another type of London derby. Um, I've, got, I've got my opinions on this game. I'm sure you would both know. But first off, we'll talk about that man, John Egan. I'd mentioned a couple of episodes ago about Jack O'Connell being the man that was really going to make a difference since coming back into the Sheffield United backline. But, Taylor, how good has John Egan been the last couple of weeks? I mean, obviously, coming up with the two goals in two games, but defensively as well, he's been fantastic. He's a perfect Brexit footballer. He's a centre-back, no nonsense, and he chips in with a goal for a corner. What more can you want from an actual centre-back? And honest, Johnny, he's been actual so good, and especially now he's got his defensive partner with him, like O'Connell. They, I think that will probably turn Sheffield United's fortunes back around to hopefully, you know, being solidified and um, basically not conceding as many goals as they had been. Uh, O'Connell was ba- was a massive loss to them because he's been injured, but Johnny can stepped up to the plate, and as though he wasn't defending so well. It was still been a problem in the opposition's box when it came to corners. Mm. And definitely, I'd say he's just... He's on such good run of form. And he he just loves a good-headed goal. He does. He just loves a good-headed goal. I can't... I actually love him. <laughs> no for the fact that he do with a Brexit football. It's just... It's been a defender myself. <laughs> he's just covering your tracks there. Yeah, I just had to realise that. I had to cover tracks. It's because I'm a defender and I just... See somebody just, you know, fly through there and just, you know... Get the full shebang with an organ. Oh, it's not nothing, nothing I love more. <laughs> I'm creating myself. Get the full shebang with an organ. That's the best phrase yeah. I've ever heard. No, 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 have you not know? There's a picture. I think it's on the BBC Sports website where literally it's Egan's goal, and it's just see, just seen him basically battle against Bolly and the, the water coming off his head as the boss soars into the net. It's called sweat, you, Taylor. <laughs> water. 
<laughs> what? Uh, was it not raining? I'm, I'm going to claim it's raining just in case it was sweat, but you know. Taylor like Shakespeare right now. <laughs> this is like the reverse of the Timo Werner rant from earlier in the earlier in the year, where he's actually having a passionate rant in, in a good way. Oh, oh no. I just I think John Egan is like honestly, I love him as a defender. He's just no nonsense. Like it's fifty fifties, he makes it like seventy thirties. He just goes in, no nonsense, proper Brexit footballer. <laughs> like honestly, proper Brexit footballer. And I absolutely. I actually would happily take him at West Ham. Of course he would. Your West, yeah. your West Ham defence is absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Of course he would take John Egan. That, so In fact, I'd, I'd even take him at Rangers if he can afford <laughs> Of course he would! That, that's going backwards there, Taylor! Jack, I'd like to tell you that I would take Lionel Messi at Rangers right now. Uh, no, uh, yeah, to be fair, I think I think he could do a turn for Rangers, you're right. And yeah, talk about Messi. Rangers had the same in 2004. I've seen that pop up the day. Taylor, we're not going on to that just now. We're not talking about anything like that. So you, you love him a defender and adore him even more as a man, clearly. So oh, just, oh, aye. <laughs> we've just oh, he's actually it. such a man. Uh, actual, oh, uh, oh, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, oh, I just, I, I'm going to shut up now, baby. I feel like I'm frantic too much. What was in that, fo- oh, what was in the grass there? Wow. <laughs> Guy finished mowing the grass and it's really, really I nice just to br- it up. Brought, <laughs> brought this side of a tailor that we didn't expect we'd see for a while. Smoking the grass. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> right, we're moving up. We're moving on from John Egan. Like, I freaking forgot what game we're on. <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about here? Football, right? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we're moving on from one defence to another, which has looked um, much, much worse in the run of the season. Chelsea's defence, because I, I wrote about this, and I'm going to bat this with every part of my being, unless he drops a stinker in this game. Kurt Zuma has made has made an absolute blinder of a difference to this backline. Um I'll not go too in depth into it personally think personally speaking because I've wrote written more in detail about it on the takeaways article, which you should go and read if you want my full opinion. But I think Zuma just combines all the best elements of the rest of Chelsea's backline into one player, as well as having just more strength, more aerial capability and just instills more confidence into a fan of of the team by just him being in the starting lineup because he's the least of the bomb scares if we want to talk about Chelsea's defence. I know people would argue for Tamori in that instance, but I don't feel we've seen enough of him. And he played his best football this season when he partnered Zuma. So as a teacher as well, he's just I, I'm I'm not going to go into a Taylor type rant about Zuma here. Uh but I, I he's one he's one of my favourite players at Chelsea in all honesty, but. That that's just that's just my perspective, and that's always going to be a little bit biased, regardless. Um, unless I'm writing about it, when I'll be completely, completely neutral. Uh, Graham, how 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 have you seen Chelsea defence this season? Obviously, it's come into question a lot. But how would you kind of rank Zuma amongst their centre back cohort? Uh, patchy. That's how I describe Chelsea's defence. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I. I'm going to take your word from Zuma. I can't see it. I can't see I see much separation between any of Chelsea's centre backs. To be honest with you, they all seem kind of in the level between fine to mediocre. Mm-hmm. No one seems to be ex- excellent, and it's been the case most of the season. I guess I'd say more quite parts of the season defending set pieces has been the problem rather than open play defending, mm-hmm. and I think that falls more on Lampard. I've seen a lot of stuff Derby fans say that. Don't get your hopes up that that'll ever be fixed because they couldn't do it. It was a problem at Derby too. 
but for me, it just when it comes to Chelsea, the story isn't their defence really, especially not since it's came back. No, I I'd, I'd agree with that. There are there are grander stories to tell with Chelsea, especially with the players that they've had hitting form since the restart with the likes of Pulisic, Willian and Mason Mount have all stood out massively. But look at looking ahead to the game in general rather than uh, each individual team. Chelsea, of course, he set third after Leicester drew and they beat Palace, so they moved up into third place, uh, I believe, two points ahead of both Leicester and Manchester United now. Um, Sheffield United, they I don't know their exact position in the league table just now. They are currently... <coughs> Mm. <laughs> uh, they're 7th yeah, they're 7th one point behind Wolves and 6th one point behind Wolves and 6th so and one point ahead of Arsenal would we say this is a must win for both teams I would say so for Chelsea I don't think Sheffield United need to win it I feel like teams that are in them are still going to drop points I think because Arsenal played Spurs so there's people dropping points there they're below them in 49 points. Burnley, they play Liverpool, so that's going to be a tough one for them. Yeah. Wolves play Everton, and that's six foot. So I think Sheffield United have room to at least get a draw. I don't, I don't think it's a must-win necessarily for them. I'd say for Chelsea, every game's a must-win because although fifth place could get the Champions League, uh, it might not. So you want to be in the top four. You do. You absolutely do want to be in the top four. And I think they're going to stay there. But I don't want to absolutely guarantee that for my own sanity because I don't, there. I don't want Tell to get my own hopes up more than anything else. I'll tell you that right now. Fair enough. There we go. We've got we've got the belief of other people and just it's the Chelsea faithful themselves that are just it's waiting quite for. Fixture, quite tough fixture. Sheffield United, Liverpool, Wolves, mm-hmm. and Norwich. And not Norwich. Not Norwich will be the the one that's definite. Like that's that's where we confirm that. Uh, we're still, we're still a top club because we can beat Norwich. Fantastic. Exactly what we want. Um, I'd seen something like there's, um, depending on results, there's no lower we can finish than fifth in, in the next kind of game week or so. Yeah, so, I'd agree with that. There, there it is. Uh, a win on Saturday would mean that Chelsea can finish only as low as sixth. And if Everton and Wolves draw, then they can finish as low as fifth. So I think if results go Chelsea's way and they win their next two, that's when I will start to believe that they're nailed on for top four. But that's me getting my hopes up again. Uh, in terms of a prediction for this one, I'll let you boys go first for this one because I feel like I've done a lot of talking. So, Taylor, how do we see this one going? Uh, as much as I have... I, I actually said at the start of the week when I had when I was thinking about this because I was fixing my fantasy. Usually I don't during the game weeks just so you know because I know I will forget I've put Pulisic in and I was like I was going to transfer you know Sheffield United players out to put a Chelsea defender in and I was like and then obviously Egan steps up and I've actually returned my full faith into basically Sheffield United getting something out of this okay I, I don't it depends how they line up I generally believe if Sheffield United play McBurney I feel like they've got a good chance of actually getting something from the game I know don't hate me it's a mad statement but, you know, the last couple, since the restart, Burnley's been unreal for probably Sheffield United. Not in the scoring sense, but his link-up play and all that. And it's just been, it's actually refreshing to see a Scotland player actually do well as a striker in the Premier League. But I'm uh, going to read it off topic, but going for predictions, I'm going to say, I can see this being 2-1 Sheffield United. Ooh. I'm going to I'm go with a Sheffield United one. And you, and you pick up McBurney as your key man in this one if he plays? 
Oh no, your key man's a hundred percent got to be Pulisic, like in fantasy terms. Like if you were gonna go with fantasy Pulisic, because he will, he's just been on fire. I feel like he's Hazard's little brother. That's it, the best way I can put it. Is that not he's bit, not as good. Is that not a bit contradictory though? Like you're say, like you're predicting a Sheffield United win, but you're predicting your key man from a losing team. Yeah, no, it's got to be Pulisic because Pulisic will get the goal. I'm telling you, he, he he'll be absolute key. He'll probably try to run the show for Chelsea. But I, you know, I can't even think think of a standout player that will be for Sheffield United, because Sheffield United more are a team collective team, so there's not gonna be that one player that will stand out. Unlike Chelsea, I can see Pulisic being that player. Okay, okay, I controversial, yes. <laughs> Taylor, yes. Right. Oh well. There we go. Uh, Graham, what about yourself? One-one, George Baldock. He's gonna shut down Pulisic a bit more. Simple. John Egan. <laughs> Taylor took all the time out, so I think I'll just be. <laughs> uh, I am going to try and remain optimistic. I think it's going to be a narrow two-one to Chelsea, and I think someone like Olivier Giroud is probably going to do quite well in this game. He, I can see Lampard preferring him to Abraham in this one purely for the physical aspect of the of his game. Giroud's more um used to dealing with these uh, big Premier League centre backs, and Abraham is. And that's what the basis of Sheffield United's team is based on, is big Premier League centre-backs. So it's a game that the Giroud should do quite well in. And I don't know if I'd necessarily back him to score, but potentially pre-assist, as I saw some Arsenal pages uh, digging up Ceballos for the other, the other oh, day. God. So a key pass. It, 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 was, it was cutting cutting through all his different uh, stats from the Leicester game. And I saw the word pre-assist get mentioned and I just thought how the mighty have fallen are celebrating someone passing to the player who gets an assist that's Arsenal it's Arsenal but I'll go I'll go 2-1 I'll say players for this one probably Sheffield United defenders because they do tend to get involved in the attacks as well um, no one from Chelsea's defence despite me uh, talking up Zuma this whole time because I, I don't trust them to keep a clean sheet purely for Kepa rather than defence and it would be one of the three, one of the four I can kind of mention that quartet either Pulisic, Will, Willian, Giroud, or Mason Mount. Um, we'll move from one end of the table to the other with the final bigger game that we're going to be talking about today, as Norwich take on Taylor's Boys West Ham, and really a must win for both teams in my opinion, especially for Norwich City, despite the fact it's more or less condemned that they're going down, and it will be confirmed if they cannot win this game. We are saying goodbye to Norwich City. Uh, is anyone bothered? Anyone that gonna cut anyone up? Gonna be. I'll let the game go first. <laughs> uh, no, because most they've got a lot of good players, but those good players should get moves instead of Premier League, which is fine. They've been naive all year. They didn't spend any money. Farkas kind of lost the plot. I'm not sure he's that good a manager, and they deserve to go down. Simple and effective. Taylor, are you the same elk? Are you? Uh, a part of me wants West Ham to lose this so Moyes goes, but the other part of me wants them to win this just so they don't get relegated. You know, it's I just our in the ideal world we win and Moyes goes, but that's not gonna happen. But yeah, I don't know. I can see West Ham winning this definitely. Norwich are a lost cause, as Graham said. Basically, the Forks lost the pot, but yeah, as Dave Moyes, you just don't know. So, um. I can definitely see this being boring. Yeah. Brexit. Bo- Brexit. 
it's just Brexit. It is, it's Brexit to me, brother. We've got a different Brexit game in the in the three that we're. <laughs> what is Brexit? What would Brexit be, brother? Be then, <laughs> if we're talking about it, what would that even be? I don't even know. Scotland leaving the UK. Yeah, independence. That's it. Um, I mean, Taylor, you said to yourself you don't know what to expect with Moyes, and you absolutely don't. Um, West Ham looked to be in the best position to secure their safety last game, but ended up losing one 0 to Burnley. Norwich, despite taking the lead against Watford, ended up losing the game after. Big Danny Welbeck came from absolutely nowhere with an overhead kick, which I'd seen, seen a stat that I had to had to put on Twitter. Um, the last time both Christian Benteke and Danny Welbeck uh, scored on the same day was the day that the PlayStation 4 was released. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, re- really, really throwing it back there. Um Graham, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, fact that unlimited Norwich's younger players and better players are probably going to get moves elsewhere. If if you're a player like Ben Godfrey getting priced at fifty million pounds, do you really think that's likely for a defence that's conceded so many? Yeah, it's the English tax, so isn't it? Mm. It always seems to be more that those players go for. I think they'll get less than fifty million. I can't see Norwich keeping a hold of them. They kind of seem to be wise financially. And in a good place that they don't need to hold it for massive money. I don't know. If, I think they might have done that to try to like fend like yeah. off yeah, bids oh, yeah, so definitely. they can keep them for the next season. It's, I, a, it's, a, that... class, it's a classic football manager move when you try and sign something to football manager and you do suggest ten, you put like ten million suggest terms and they're asking for like a three hundred and sixty million transfer fee with fifty <laughs> yeah. percent profit in the next sale. It's like okay, that's a no sale then. <laughs> that's just not. I'm not even going to come back with that. That's bad. They're, used, they're just choosing that strategy. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, I, I would say Godfrey def- uh, deserves to be playing for a bigger club, but. I don't think he's any. He's probably a fifteen million player at most, in that in that team. I don't. There's not a chance he's worth fifteen million. Aye, probably get. Aye, probably get twenty. You get twenty five for him. Twenty five, really? Yeah. I I think that's a bit much. I say about I say he's, about fifteen twenty. He's twenty. He's twenty two. Mm-hmm. He's only twenty two. He's played for England under twenty ones. I go. think he's got. Making him be a top centre back in the league. Well. Say, say, say both teams get a fairly poor result in this one. Say it's a draw. Say it's a nil-nil, which it very much, very well could be. How much does that affect West Ham? Because Norwich looked to be going down either way. But if West Ham failed to get something out of this one, how likely are they to go down? That's where it would come into... It's not in West Ham's hands anymore. I feel like it's a must-win. If they lose or draw, they've went from having it in their hands to beating Chelsea, doing all that hard work, to being out of their hands and just hoping... That Villa or Bournemouth just don't start picking up the points. Because that, that draw Bournemouth got against Spurs is kind of just now they're three points behind. So a single Bournemouth win will like, we'll drag them back in to you know the mix, and you just don't want that. I respectfully disagree with Taylor. I don't think this seems must win at all. I don't see the bottom three changing at this point. I've watched enough of Bournemouth and Villa, Norwich, enough of Bournemouth and Villa since the break to suggest that neither of those teams are capable of winning any games. And they both have tough fixtures still to come up. I mean, if Villa lose like, the Palace on Sunday, they're down. They're gone. There's no way they're, they're staying up. And so I think West Ham, I think they will win this game anyway. But I don't think it's going to actually matter that much if they don't. I, mean, I think they'll be fine. 
Uh, I do agree, but I would like to see a situation where it comes down to final day West Ham versus oh, Villa. I love that. That, would, no. that would be brilliant. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. I think we we should try if if it does get to that, we need to try and do like a live watch along with Taylor to see to see the pain in his eyes <laughs> if West Ham go down. See if West Ham go down, I'm recreating uh, green. Oh, just no, I'm shit. not. Yeah, I'm I'm recreating. I'm just I'm oh, I'm just trying to think about it because <laughs> just see him pull like a balaclava from somewhere and just like start looking up flights to London. Honestly, like it's just it's David Moyes. It's uh, he's a he is he's a good, he's a oh, he's a good manager and he's all right. Is he? When I say and he's all right, I mean like he would do well in Denmark. Oh God, he's done. Right. He's done in the Premier League. Like. And oh, don't even start me. I'm going to start on the board. Like I'm, out, I'm out. That, yeah, okay. To be, to be fair, West Ham. I think they played better in the last three games, just opposed to the start in the game. Yeah, back. no. They, uh-huh. they they beat Chelsea and they deserved to beat Chelsea. They did. Uh-huh. They got a decent point point in an informed Newcastle team, and then they should have got. They were dominant against Burnley, but just Nick Pope was a hero for the for Burnley mm-hmm. on Wednesday. I think they'll be okay. I think their form is better, much better than the teams around them. The fact the four teams below them. Mm-hmm. But the only thing is, I, I went at the Chelsea game very pessimistic, saying I'll happily if we just don't concede three. Which that still came out, but you know I didn't expect to even get three one point rather than three. I went at the Burnley game expecting like West Ham to come out away with very minimum a draw, considering Burnley boss Ben Me and he wasn't playing in that. But you know. It's Dave. It's the manager's unpredictable. You've got a team that's the players that they've spent on that team and the money that they've spent, like Haller and all of that. You should be getting more for that. Like Michael Antonio is just he's been basically running that West Ham attack force now for what a couple of seasons since. In fact, I seen a start yesterday. I'll do it quickly before we move on. on. Pai Yet joined in twenty seventeen. Uh, twenty fifteen. He still has created more chances. For West, for West Ham, <laughs> and he left in twenty seventeen. Like, what chances? What chance do you have when you don't have any actual like attacking spirit from your midfield? Declan Rice is a holding midfielder, right? Fair does he? He's basically trying to break out the play, but four nails is meant to be actually creating stuff. He was meant to come in here and do that, but no, it's just it's annoying. I wish Payet was still that, here. That, that was perfect anger and the sadness there. You just no, it's annoying. <laughs> that was like the perfect just capitulation of. I actually miss Payet. I miss him. Anyone would. Anyone would if he brought that amount of talent to a team. But we'll quickly get a prediction in for this one before we go on to the extra games for this week. Nil nil for me personally. I can't. Well, either nil nil or West Ham one nil. Uh, I'm gonna go one nil West Ham. Just. Being, I'm being optimistic. Who's getting the goal? One nil. Antonio. He's Love got to be. He's actually going for the golden, but I'm adamant. No, he's not. Graham? Three uh, nil West Ham. Ooh. I don't think Norwich have anything to stop. I, mean, I, think, I think there's some good players on the West Ham side. Bowen, Bowen, Antonio, Suchek. And they'll actually do well here. Lovely. Well, that brings an end to the bigger of the three games that we're going to be talking about this on this episode. Uh, we'll come into the extra games which we're just going to spend a little bit of time talking about each um, for kind of one region or the other we'll start with Bournemouth versus Leicester again big at both ends of the table um, Graham you've mentioned Bournemouth just you've not seen enough for them to 
be able to win another game in this Premier League season? Are you of that mindset as Leicester come to town? I am, because I think Leicester have steadied the ship a little bit in the last couple of games. I thought they played pretty well at Arsenal and in form Arsenal, and they got a big foot win against Palace, whereas Bournemouth haven't changed at all since they came back. Their point was more down to Spurs' complete lethargy yesterday. And so I can only see this hit. This game ended up one way, and that's a Leicester win. But by what margin, game? <laughs> well, Jack. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say 2 0. 3 1 or 2 goal margin. That's a good shout, yeah. I think I'd maybe be inclined to agree with you there. Yeah. Of course, Jamie Vardy's still chasing that golden boat. Um, still two that goals ahead. That what? That golden boat. Golden boat, boat. yeah. No, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened there. That was, that was interesting. The golden boot. That golden boat. <laughs> uh, he's still two goals ahead of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Taylor, are you going for a Leicester win in this one as well? Uh, yeah, I can see a Leicester win, but Bournemouth will put up a decent fight. I think. I think it'll probably, be, in the end, comfortable, but Leicester will have to fight for it. So I'm going to say two 0 Leicester. Lovely. Oh, that that was probably the most succinct and quite put together game we've ever talked about on the show. Fantastic. Um. Next up, uh, Monday night football, we've got Man United versus Southampton. I'll just kind of, we still have this game in here. Because both teams have looked very, very good since coming back from the restart. I think Southampton, what, that was uh, four wins from, or th- yeah, four wins from five coming in to the game against Everton, then they drew it. No, no, sorry, I'm, I'm mistaken. It was uh, nine points from 12, so three wins from four, and then they didn't, they dropped points against Everton. Um, big, big Stuart Armstrong, the bane of Scotland, but the life of Southampton. He's been um, really, really been hitting the ground running. Whereas with Man United, we've already we all know how good they've been. We all know how good Bruno Fernandez has been. That this has a this has makings for a really good game. Um, on Monday night, I think uh, there's a chance that this one could be game of the weekend, Graham. Hell yeah! <laughs> That's enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, everyone knows this, I'm a Liverpool fan, but I love Mason Greenwood so much. Yeah, he's good. I think he's got the potential to be England's best player for years and years and years. His finish against Bournemouth, his second goal, I don't feel like I've seen a goal like that in a while, where he's just not he's not facing the goal, he just smacks it across his body. Mm-hmm. He generates so much power. I've not seen a player generate power like him since Robin Van Persie. That that's what that's what I did say. That's what um we've been saying a lot. That that the, the uh, comparisons between the two have been drawn more and more with every passing game, and I'm sure that you wouldn't do that with just any player. I think Greenwood really does have something special about him. And to, to answer your question, that you actually asked, that yes, I think it's has all the makings to be the game of the week. Both teams, Man U, I think, I guess they're still fifth, but I think Man U are in good form that all that's a must win. They'd be confident they can attack and leave gaps and still be okay and get by. And Southampton are now in the situation where they've had some big wins against Man City. They've got nothing to play for. They can just go for it. So I feel like there's a lot of goals potentially on offer here. Because Mr Ings might be uh, chasing the golden boot as well. He's uh, he's three goals behind just now. I'll take a lot for him to get there, but who knows? We just we just don't know. The golden boot. The golden boot. <laughs> that that's how we must address it from now on. Yep. That that is the new pronunciation. Graham, can we get a prediction from you? Uh, three, two, Man United. Oh, love that! Big fan of that. Taylor, or what? What would you say to this one? I uh, love Fernandez. 
That's all. <laughs> that is all. That's all you wanted to say. Honestly, I've actually, I actually love him. Like, though, there's actually only been one midfielder that I've ever watched and adored so much, and it's Jack, it's your man, your coach, your legend, Lampard. Like, really? I'm, yeah, I actually loved Lampard so much, but uh, I, I just actually adore how he plays, like, honestly. Like, he actually is a proper football person, like, oh, just, like, um, it's good, I just... <laughs> Honestly, was that the lawnmower kickstarting back up again? <laughs> please, please put your mic if you're going to do something inappropriate. Uh, no, yeah. I've written my, my takeaway, by the way, and I was just like trying to reel back how much like Fernandez is just, um, <laughs> is game changing. I think he is the reason I've done my United two weeks in a row. The question, just him. The question is, Taylor, if you're in a room with John Egan and Bruno Fernandez, who are you kissing first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to be greedy. <laughs> Honestly, no, I t- oh, it's just <laughs> wow. That 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 this, this episode's gone gone downhill really quickly. Oh my days! <laughs> to answer your question, Jack, uh, I'm going to say it's going to come from my United one. I think I think they're going to win three one. Three one. Yeah. I'm going Fernandez. Go- no, I think I'd agree with Graham. I'm going to go three two. I, I think I think Savanto really put up a good fight here. But it'll take just a moment of magic from either Greenwood or Fernandez, and United will get the win in the end. We'll move on to what Taylor knows best, <laughs> and we'll mm. talk about Brexit. We'll talk about the Brexit game of the week, which this week was Villa and Palace. I'm not looking forward. I don't think I'm going to watch this game, boys. Not going to lie. Um, despite the fact that I love Jordan Ayew, I, I, I don't see anything positive from this game at all. I think. It'll be a Palace win, a narrow Palace win. Villa will just be absolutely toothless, as they have been for the majority of the season. But am I, am I being a bit too ahead of myself there? Could there be a bit of life in this game? Yeah, maybe. No. I, think, I think there could. I think Palace looked really good against Chelsea on Tuesday. I thought that they deserved a point and that they created enough chances and had enough good stuff. I thought their second goal to Benteke was a really well-worked goal. Mm-hmm. So if it's going to, something's going to happen in this game, it'll come from Palace side of things. Yeah. I need Palace to win. You'll find out why, but I just need them to win. You put a bet on. Uh, yeah, yeah. But essentially, essentially, I just no. I've not got any bets on. I just need them to win. It actually go my favour, so I can actually start. Oh, right enough. Yeah. So you yeah, do. so I can. Uh, yeah, it's an article I'm writing, but I just need Palace to win, so it makes sense because it's based around the process of them winning. Uh, but uh, Palace have been semi decent, you know, in games that they have lost. Like that, as Graham said, that Chelsea game, uh, they were actually unlucky not to get anything, and Zaha's goal was unreal. But mm-hmm. you know, Villa, they've just gave up. I think. I, I think they look like a team that's just l- not even limping. They, they've they're done. <laughs> uh, they've not got any fight in them, no. and they, I think they're just probably up there with as good as Norwich going down. So. It's probably gonna be a Palace win, like by. I'm gonna say. I want to say I want to say one, but you know I can see them getting two, but it's just gonna be really boring to watch. So, uh, in the end, I'm gonna say two now, and probably your man to be watching and to probably put in your fantasy is Zaha. Zaha, right? Well, we'll we'll go into a bit more depth into who to bring it in your fantasy because we're gonna start talking about the fantasy team of the week. We do this at the end of every show where we discuss the players from 
teams we've mentioned and teams we haven't to make sure you're getting maximum points in your fancy teams for this upcoming set of fixtures. Now, goalkeeper, we come to first. And looking at who is at home, obviously you would do that, typically. The only team that I would trust to keep a clean sheet at home this week is Liverpool. But Alisson's expensive. He's very expensive. I think he's 6 million or something like that. 6.2 million. So I'm not going to recommend you put Alisson in goal. Um, I would, I'd actually argue and probably your best bet is to put Fabianski in your goal. As I said, I think any, any team that's playing Norwich, it's a shout to yeah. their keeper in your goal. Um, it's, I think he's relatively cheap. I think he's only about 4.8 or 4.9 or something. 4.9 million, yeah. Yeah, so I'd say anyone playing Norwich is your best bet for a goalkeeper. I, th- I think it's definitely a good shout. I'm, I'm a big fan of Fabianski. I think he's probably one of the better keepers at the kind of lower clubs in the league. Um, he's one of West Ham's best players by no small no small margin. Yes. Uh, Watford Newcastle could potentially be a game that's got nil nil written all over it. So either Debravka or Ben Foster for that one. Um, I, I I never like spending big money on a goalkeeper. That's why I've got Dean Henderson, Nick Pope, and but. With Burnley and Sheffield United playing Liverpool and Chelsea respectively, I can't see either keeping a clean sheet personally. Graham, who would you back to do well in goal? I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna, I've got Pope, and I'm not going to change it. I think I'm just going to stick with the keeper I have until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Pope might make a lot of saves in this game to make it points for that. Although he might not keep a clean sheet, uh, I think if you're looking for a keeper to transfer in, I would probably go for Rui Patricio at Wolves. Mm-hmm. They play Everton. Everton have looked a bit toothless, haven't scored many goals, and Wolves have a solid back line. So if you're to find a keeper, it's not ridiculously expensive. Patricia will be my go-to option. Lovely. Very good. Well, we'll move on. We'll move up the pitch. We'll look at defenders, and I suppose it's the same kind of story when you talk about um, goalkeepers and defenders, but there's more likely that a defender will have attacking input. I'd maybe suggest Kieran Tierney again, like I mentioned earlier. Like I could see him getting forward and getting involved in amongst the um, amongst the end product of the uh, Arsenal game. Uh, Patrick Van Aanholt as well is a very good shout for Palace mm-hmm. against Aston Villa. A lot of their play goes through him. Um, boys, who who else would you who else would you reckon? Abra and Yeri Mina for this. That was my that was my transfer for this week because uh, I feel I I know they're playing Wolves, but. Yerimina has been somewhat an inconsistent player, but I think he was he got injured before lockdown and he hadn't been playing for a bit. But since he's came back in, he's been probably Everton's most attacking minded player, other than like the, the forwards. Like he's been trying to create the chances, and he, in the previous game against Southampton, he actually completed the most passes in the game. So. I feel that he could probably be vital and they could probably get a, a clean sheet. There we go. You've made, you've made your case. You've made your case. I'm not certain I agree with the fact that Everton are going to keep a clean sheet, but you've made you've made your argument and we, we, we respect it. Graham, who would you kind of fire into your defence for this game week coming? I think your Tierney shout's a good one, Jack. I think that Van Aarhoek's a good shout from Taylor. I would add Willie Bolly at 4.8 million is a good option yep. for a Wolves side that don't concede many goals. I think that Luca Dean 
the bang on form right now. He's the most informed player, according defender, according to fantasy. So I can put him in because he's good at getting goal contributions. And the last player I will mention is Matt Ritchie at Newcastle. Oh, and his class as a defender at five point three million, and his we'll probably we'll probably play wing back and yeah. take some set pieces so we could get some contributions from him. Gordon Ramsay himself is his long lost mm-hmm. brother. Uh, yeah, no, Richie. I didn't even realize Richie was class of defender. I did it until very recently. Yeah, you know, that that could prove beneficial uh, going forward in future seasons. Should we? Yes. Should we know that? Uh, moving on to midfielders. Um, I feel like a lot of these midfielders are going to be tried and tested. If you want to start speaking about the bigger boys, just now the most expensive ones. I personally, I'd maybe start to move away from the likes of. Salah, Manny, De Bruyne and the like because a lot of players have been in much better form I mean Bruno Fernandes for one should be mm-hmm. a shoe in for any team realistically um, Pulisic, Willian, they've been the two that have stood out for Chelsea um, who, who, who else would we reckon? I mean um, I think uh, Mr Allen should be back for this game I think Bruce a was going to say that St Maximin was back for Watford and I think he will have an absolute He'll, t- he'll turn Victor Road into his personal playground, is, is my opinion. But if he's back, that is Taylor. If you would you would you agree with that, or would you kind of highlight somebody else to play the best football in midfield this week? I no, I definitely see it's St. Max. Is dead. It's probably if he is back, he should be in your team because especially against Watford, he will have a field day. But I'm saying that is I've got literally your bog standard four midfielders and Manny. De Bruyne, Pulisic, and the God Fernandez, who is the captain. The God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I sound like Struan today, by the way. No, you don't. Have... You don't. That's the thing. You don't sound like Struan because Struan never speaks like, about United like this. Right, Struan, I'm taking your job, by the way. Come on. <laughs> on no, but Fernandez is. He is became the De Bruyne of fantasy. You need to have him in. Like the last the last three game weeks, he's the fact he's had like fifteen odd points is ridiculous. But uh, see, I I feel I spent all my money on my midfield, so yeah. I've watched they're just the big hitters for me and I'm probably just going to rely on him for the end of the season. I'd, I'd argue that De Bruyne is the De Bruyne of fantasy, if I'm honest. Um, him and Salah have got the exact same amount of points on 223, but... Really? Oh my God. There you go. Graham, who would you, who would you suggest maybe some kind of cheaper, maybe underground well, options? Yeah, well, to, you to follow your list, I wouldn't take out the, player, the players that De Bruyne and Fernandes because they're still bang on form and the two Chelsea wingers are there too but my one transfer this week was to transfer a Newcastle bulb midfielder John Joe Voldemort Shelby oh what a ban for out of the Damatriori he's only 4.9 million he's only 1% selected and he's had some he's in good form mm-hmm. he's scored quite a few points in his last few game weeks uh, if you were looking for other options I would suggest Drew Armstrong who I really thought about putting in he's only got 0.5% he got an assist yesterday he did. And mm-hmm. against Man U, Man U defence is shaky, and especially when they get pressed, and that's what Southampton do. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very impressed with Leandro Chossard on Wednesday in Liverpool's game against Brighton. He's had a good couple of I know, games, I know, they, I know they played City, so you're always kind of wary of doing that, but, but City have lost the last two games away from home. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was to score for them, Chossard might be the man. At 5.8 million, he's a good bet. I'll, ju- I'll just throw one, one more name that we never mentioned. And, I mean, we mentioned him a lot earlier in the show, but Saka at 4.7 million. Yeah, I thought um, about Saka too. He'd be, he'd be the other shout. Uh, finally, your striking options for this week. 
Mason Greenwood again if he's playing Southampton. Yeah, I think at the moment, I think he has to be in your team. He's he's the second most informed striker in the league right now, and he costs four point seven million. It's a steal. It's a, it's it's a cheat a, code. It's, it's a steal. Um, I'm really not sure who else to who else you would I would recommend for this, and if I'm honest. Um, well, let me give you some options. Let, please give me some options, Graham. That would be. Fantastic. Once again, we're looking for cheaper options. Danny Ings is still only still cheap, seven point four million. Fantastic. And he's he's most informed striker only one ahead of Greenwood. Kalechi uh, and Acho might be at the shout at Leicester. Mm-hmm. Leicester have kind of gotten two up front, and his form has improved. That's a bit of a risky one, but at five point seven, it's not a bad option. Yeah. And why not? Let's get let's get that guy Welbs in. <laughs> why he's not? He scored an overhead kick. That one, man. that one is just mentioned. This, this is Welbeck's way back to the top. He's, on, <laughs> he's Danny Welbeck. He's on his way back. We'll see him at Man United in two seasons, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ballon d'Or two years after that. <laughs> Closing out his career with a Ballon d'Or win. You love to see it. Um, and Taylor, uh, finally with you, who, who would you give the nod to up front this week? Uh, I think I've... I'm at right, I need your guy's help. Right, this is what I was thinking about this week. I've gone with Greenwood, he's a shoe-in, he's unreal. Mm. But I'm really debating about, do I go with Jimenez or Ings? Because I, I, I want to go with Ings, but I just know for a fact, as soon as I do that, Jimenez is going to have an absolute world day and probably will just buy in free against Mina. But, Ings. I, I would say Ings. I think um, Everton's defence with Luca Dini doing really well recently. He's going to really nullify the threat of Adama. And without Adama... Uh, Jimenez isn't as ruthless. I mean, he's, st- he's still a very good forward in his own right, but Graham, you wrote about that partnership that the two of them have struck up together and it's been mm-hmm. producing absolute wonders. So if Dinia can cut out a Damachayori threat, uh, that's essentially having the threat that Jimenez uh, brings, I would, I would say. Yeah. That's the other thing for you, Taylor, is you put Jimenez in and you've got the enemy now, and that's a guy who's going behind your clean sheet. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, whereas Ings is cheaper, you don't have any manual defenders in, and he's still. Yeah, well, actually, lie. I've actually got one Basak in. Oh, that's a lie, okay. Yeah, so I base. Just get rid of him, just get Welbeck in. See, it's either that or I just stick Baldock in and just hope for a Chelsea. Uh, for a just. Baldock? Sheffield United, no, no, yeah. George Baldock. <laughs> We've had some had interesting pronunciations. I think on <laughs> I think on George Baldock we're gonna we're gonna finish the show today. Uh, a big thank you to everyone that's been tuning in for this episode and our previous nine. We've made it to ten and we don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Uh, lovely. Uh, as we said, follow us at the top of the Spotify feed. Follow us on Twitter at Fancy Ramble. We'll get three of our predictions and everyone else's. Uh, so keep up to date with that. Check out Energy Sport for articles coming from me, Graham Taylor, and the rest of our writers coming soon. And yeah, so good good luck this weekend. A big thank you to Graham and Taylor for joining me on what is our tenth episode under Fancy Ramble. Uh, I've been Jack Donnelly. Thank you very much to for tuning in to this edition of the Fancy Ramble. Good luck this weekend, and we will see you next time. <laughs>